When I was 13, me and my mom lived in a walk-up apartment in Cleveland. The neighborhood was old and run down, but the streets were fairly safe and we had good neighbors. Over the few months we lived there, mom had become close friends with our upstairs neighbor, Ashley. The younger woman was a single mother too, and I think mom saw her as a younger sister that needed a little help from time to time. Part of that help was me taking her four-year-old Matthew for a walk sometimes. I didn't mind. It was never for too long or far, and as a recent transplant from Akron, I didn't have much else to do. So we'd walk around the block a few times, or take a cut through over to the park where he could play for a bit while Ashley ran errands, took a nap, or just hung out with my mom. He was a good kid. Gentle and polite to be around. He didn't talk a lot for his age, which seemed to worry Ashley more than she'd admit, but Mom always reassured her that he'd start talking more when he had more to say. One afternoon, I was walking with Matt while Ashley was down in the basement doing laundry. Initially, I was just going to wander around with him, hovering around the building until she was done, but something was off with him. He seemed quieter than usual, less quick to smile. I hadn't seen him in a few days, but I hadn't heard he was sick or that anything had happened. Still, a trip to the park might perk him up. Giving his hand a squeeze, I veered off from my planned route around the corner and headed for the cut-through. It was a paved path between two of the buildings, and decorated on both sides by shrubs and small trees. It stood out as conspicuously well-kempt among the decaying brown buildings on either side. Mom said some senior group tended it as a community project. I remember feeling a strange sense of ambiguous appreciation for the strangers. Walking that cool path of green was one of my favorite things about the neighborhood, and I knew Matt liked it too. Or normally, he did. On that day, he began pulling away as soon as we got near the entrance of the cut-through. I looked down at him in surprise. I never did that. Never pulled away or tried to lose your hand. Something had to be wrong. When I saw his face, I realized what it was. He was terrified. I crouched down next to him, meeting his wide brown eyes. What's wrong, man? It's just the cut through. He shook his head emphatically. No. Open cat. No. I blinked. What? I looked back down the path. I didn't see anything unusual, though there were several spots covered by curves in the path and shrubbery. You saw a cat down there? I glanced back at him. Cats won't hurt you. Matt's lips began to tremble. No. Open cat. I could see the panic in his face, but there was also frustration. He wasn't a dumb kid, and he knew he wasn't doing a good job at explaining whatever it was that had him so scared. I felt like the dumb one. I wanted to make him feel better, but I didn't know what was wrong. Still, it was clear he didn't want to go down the path. Standing up, I gave his hand a squeeze. Okay, no cut through. We'll go around instead. And that's what we did. The little boy visibly relaxed as soon as we turned away from the path, and by the time we were at the park, he was almost back to normal. But 
only, almost. He still seemed preoccupied in a way I didn't expect from a four-year-old, especially one that was normally so happy and carefree. When I carried him back to Ashley's, I asked her about it, but she just shrugged. Said he's been having nightmares the last few nights, and it was probably just cranky from lack of sleep. I wanted to accept that and let it go, but the strangeness of it all stuck with me overnight and the following day. Open cat? What does that mean? Suddenly it hit me and I felt like an idiot. I bet there was a dead cat in the cut through. Something a dog had torn open or something. If Ashley had taken him through there one day, he might have seen it and gotten freaked out. Maybe if I found it and got rid of it, or checked and saw nothing was there, I could convince him it was okay to use the path again. I set out after lunch to explore the cut-through. My plan was to look for any sign of something dead or gross, and if I saw anything, I'd get a piece of cardboard or something and scoop it into the dumpster. Maybe not the best burial, but at least we could use the path again. The cut-through was darker in the afternoon light, the shadows from the trees and bushes melting into the deeper pools of perpetual darkness from the buildings on either side to make a murk that would have been daunting if not for the light coming in at either end of the path and the bright ribbon of concrete cobblestones that wound its way through the middle. Even still, the midpoint of the cut-through was hard to make out at a distance, and it wasn't until I was several yards down the path that I saw the man's legs jerking spasmatically from behind a bush. My first thought was that someone was having a seizure or a heart attack. As I stepped closer, I could make out worn brown loafer dangling off one of his feet as he continued to thrash on the ground. I thought about going for help then, but it occurred to me that he might be choking or something else I could maybe help him with. So I quickened my pace forward, rounded the corner of the bush before coming to a frozen halt at what I was seeing. It didn't make sense. It was like he had a fur blanket wrapped around his head and he was fighting with it. His fingers scrabbled against its surface, pulling at its tufts of hairy feebly as the blanket tightened its... It moved. The blanket had moved, wrapping itself tighter around the man's head like a snake coiled around its next meal. I was terrified, my brain still drowning in a wash of adrenaline while struggling to make sense of what was happening. I still had an impulse to help as well as a strong urge to just run away, but somehow the strange horror of it all held me pinned in place. I looked on as the man shuddered and then stilled the black and gray striped thing that had quieted him now, loosening its grip and sliding down onto its chest. I noticed absently that the man's face was wet with muscles and blood, a thousand tiny pinpricks seeming to burn red into the gray light of the cut-through. Most of my attention was saved for the thing that was sliding down his legs, its body shifting and cracking as it took a more definite shape. I saw the underside of that fur for a moment, a ripple of pink and silver flesh lined with a row upon row of hooked yellow teeth, and then the image was gone, replaced with a more solid line of fur-covered flesh and bone, a leg that led down to a delicate, almost fully formed paw. It only took a few moments for the monster to look like any other cat. 
thing sat in the middle of the path, staring up at me with a chilly look that was rimmed with hunger and a certain cruel curiosity. As though it was just waiting until I stepped a bit closer, or it got tired of playing with its next meal. I ran. I ran out of the cut-through, back to the apartment in my room, and I didn't come out until my mom knocked on my door for dinner. She asked me if anything was wrong, but I just lied and said I was tired. There was nothing honest I could say that she would believe, and I still wasn't sure I believed myself. All I knew for sure was that I was never going down that path again. The next month, we moved back to Virginia, where my grandparents were from. I saw Ashley and Matt a few times before we left, but never for long. Ashley had started dating someone new, and Matt still seemed quiet and withdrawn, but I told myself he'd just grown out of it. As for me, I eventually convinced myself that the thing in the cut-through had been part of some messed-up dream I had one summer afternoon. I'd been nervous about finding a dead cat, and my stupid brain had done the rest. Simple. And if I never completely believed it, I was okay. I believed it enough. At least until last month. Because last month I was in Seattle. It was a business trip in the dreary city where I didn't know anyone. And by the last day I just wanted to eat a good meal and then sit at the airport until my red eye was ready for departure. I picked a restaurant that served lunch late and had a good-looking menu online. When I got to that place, it was nice, but it was almost empty, with only a handful of tables occupied in the large main room where I was led to a table by the window. I was able to sit down when a voice called out from across the restaurant. Tony? Is that you? I looked around, disoriented at being recognized in a city I'd never been before. It took only a second to find the table that was looking at me. A couple in their forties and a sullen-looking teenage boy were all staring. The woman was... It was Ashley. I felt my stomach twist uncomfortably as I raised my hand and walked over. Hey, is that you, Ashley? She smiled her bright eyes back as she nodded with a laugh. (laughs) It's me, it's me. What are the odds, huh? She patted the boy on the back. Matt, you remember Tony, don't you? He used to babysit you sometimes. I'd already known it was him, but when he glanced at me again, the haunted look in his eyes caught the breath in my chest. For a moment, I was 13 again, standing at the mouth of the cut-through, holding the hand of a little boy who was scared out of his mind. In the restaurant, he just nodded and lowered his eyes again as I gave a startled laugh that sounded sharp and false in my ears. <laughs> yeah. Good old Matt. Best friend when we lived in Cleveland. It's... Uh, so you guys live... My voice died as my wondering gaze fell on the man at the table. I'd been so focused on Ashley and Matt that I'd barely paid him any attention. And this is my husband Jeffrey. I think we started dating while you still lived downstairs, but I don't know if you ever got to meet him. The man smiled at his wife. No, we probably got close but never really met. He looked at me. Or do you remember things differently? I gulped in air while recoiling a step. Even after all the intervening years, I recognized him from the dark terror of that day in the cut-through. 
suddenly felt the urge to vomit as I took another step back. Uh, I... I don't feel well. Good to see you, but sorry, I have to go. I turned on my heel without waiting for a response, my breath coming in short hitches as I wandered toward the bathroom I'd spotted on the way in. I felt less queasy the farther I was away from their table, but I still felt like I might pass out at any moment. Entering the bathroom, I realized I needed to pee suddenly and urgently. Moving to one of the two floor-length funerals on the wall, I let out a trembling sigh as I began to void my bladder. How was any of this happening? Was I going crazy, or...? I felt a flash of white pain as my face slammed into the wall in front of me. Someone, no, not someone, him, was behind me, pressing me hard against the urinal as I began to squeal in pain and fear. He didn't say anything, just pressed me to the point of crushing while he ignored my attempts to push or fight back. Ground me against the tile and ceramic until I thought my ribs would break while filling my nose with a spiky, spicy smell and my ears with a broken rumbling from deep in his throat. And then he was gone. I blocked the door to the bathroom and lay on the floor shaking and crying for several minutes until I felt safe to stand again. I had to get out of there, get away and get to the airport. He didn't know where I lived. I could get away and never see him or any of them again. I rushed through the lobby of that restaurant at a near run, hitting the door with enough force that let out a protest as I stumbled out into the street. I had no plan, but I needed to be away from there. There was a cab. Yeah, there was one just down. Ashley and Matt were standing in front of the man as the cab pulled to a stop at the curb. His hand was on her neck in a way that might have been affectionate if the grip didn't look so tight. Matt was standing off to himself slightly, his shoulders hunched and his body tense as the man reached between them to open the cab door. As though he sensed me, Matt turned and looked back in my direction. There was a moment when her eyes connected and he told me what I needed to know. None of it had ever been imagined. All of it was real. And maybe I had escaped it, but he hadn't. His mother hadn't. Whatever the hell had been in that alleyway, he was peering up at me from its deepest depths. In that moment, I felt righteous anger. They were good people. I should have helped them when I was younger, warned them at least, but... Maybe it wasn't too late. Maybe I could still... The man was staring at me now, staring with that same hungry look as the cat in the cut through. Come closer, the look said. I'll be hungry again soon. I lowered my gaze and turned away. As I hailed down another taxi, I told myself there was nothing I could do, no help I could offer, and it was a crazy thing anyway, wasn't it? Likely just nerves or stress or some kind of weird dream I was just remembering like it was real life when everyone knew things like that didn't happen in real life, did they? The piss on my pants had dried by the time I reached the airport. My flight wasn't for a few hours yet, but that was alright. Being around these bright lights and all these people, it made me feel better. More connected and closer to the real world.
far away from the shadowy places where a certain cat might cross my path. I don't drink because I like alcohol, but because I've recently seen the horrifying underbelly of the world, and I can't go back to blissful ignorance in any other way than through the bottom of a bottle. I can't sleep, either, so I'm writing this out to hopefully get some of the poison out of my head. It began with a picture. I'm nobody special, don't get me wrong, just the opposite. Not a detective, not a cop, nothing like that. I was just a senior in college with an office job lined up, and I only had to coast out until the end of the year. All that free time made me vulnerable to questions. The question and the picture that came with it would have just flowed past my mind like every other bit of internet flotsam if not for that particular state of aggravated bored I found myself in that freezing February afternoon. Two local girls had recently gone missing. That much I knew. My year-older friend worked as an intern in the city news channel, and he told me nobody could make heads or tails of what happened. Look, he wrote in an email. Someone at another news group sent us this. The cops found two pictures uploaded from their phones after the last time anyone saw them. They're hoping somebody can identify this guy. I remember rolling my eyes. This was not the first time he'd forwarded me an email chain full of internet meme bullshit. He was a sucker for clickbait. The pictures were the typical scary type, taken in darkness and limited in scope such that nothing could really be discerned beyond, look at how weird that is. The first image was taken directly behind the head of a man with short brown hair, close enough that the flash illuminated the intermittent scalp in bright white. He appeared to be somewhere dark and slightly foggy. Over his shoulder, a brandished knife could be seen, held forward for some unknown reason. The second image was of a man lying face down in a hotel bed, surrounded by empty liquor bottles and scattered pills. From his disheveled and sweat matted short brown hair and the shape of the back of his head, it looked to be the same man. convenient that his face was hidden in both shots, I remember thinking. Behind him was a peeling hotel wall and a mirror that somebody appeared to have spit on. In the mirror, it was possible to see the man's left arm held out in such a manner that he was taking the picture of himself with a cell phone. Given the context, I guess the phone belonged to one of the two missing girls. I tended to not believe things like this because they never turned out to be anything. The two girls had likely snuck off to spring break, and this was some sort of prank. Absolute worst-case scenario, this was just some drunk frat guy they'd hung out with. Let me guess, I wrote back to my friend. An expert thinks that this guy was dead when he took the picture of himself. Ooh, spooky, right? He's definitely recently dead, based on the way his limbs are behaving in that picture, and the discoloration and slight bloating of the skin, but that's not it. It's totally possible to put your camera on a timer and take a picture later, so 
They thought this was a suicide until they noticed something. Look closer. By his right hand. I enlarged the image on my monitor and realized that there was actually something in his hand. But it couldn't be... I printed out the photo to get a better look. And it was what I'd expected. The exact same photo we were looking at was in the dead man's hand. An aging clock on the wall had the same hand positions in both images. He had in his hands a picture of himself dead, apparently the same photo he would later take of himself by using the camera's timer. I emailed back. <laughs> what are we looking at here? Nobody knows, man, but they crowdsourced finding the wallpaper and they figured out which hotel it was taken at. Crowdsourced? Yeah, it's a, it's a new technique. They make some clues public and let thousands of people see it online. Eventually someone recognizes the clue and then they've got a lead. It's a hotel in Brazil. February was almost over and spring break was nigh. Holy shit. I had an opportunity to do something weird and crazy and prove to my friend that clickbait was stupid. Dude, I'm I'm gonna go there. Where? That hotel. You are not serious. Why not? I've got my passport because my mom pestered me to do it last year, and I've got the money to fly down there because of my summer internship. If there's nothing to see, I'll just hang out on the beach and have a normal spring break. I can give you this specific hotel, but are you sure you want to do that? It's like crazy. The peculiar mix of aggravated boredom and intrigued indignation brewing in me compelled me to say yes. I'd seen so many ridiculous internet myths in my time online, it seemed an incredible opportunity to debunk one. I'd never really left the country before, of course, but I fought down the nervousness and did my best to research everything I could. The hotel was near a popular tourist destination, so it wasn't like I was going somewhere horrible. The beaches were beautiful, if nothing less. The trip by plane was disarmingly familiar. Civilization, air conditioning, and safety shrouded me all through the flight, landing, and when I disembarked. I waited for my bag while a bunch of people stood around checking their cell phones, just like home, and it didn't hit me that I'd flown to a foreign country and continent until I barged through the last glass door that smacked me right into a wall of humid heat. Christ, it was straight winter back home, and here it was, legitimately late summer. I'd chosen my initial clothes poorly, and they immediately became sweat-soaked drapes in a taxi that had no air conditioning. As high as the prices were in the hotel gift shop, and as mass-produced and bland as they were, I bought lighter shirts and shorts, and then sought refuge in my room. I sat by the wall, air conditioning, until I'd recovered, and then I looked around my room. My friend had given me the right info. The wallpaper was the same pattern from the photo, and the bed, the mirror, the clock, they were all the right design. Did a guy really commit suicide by pill in this hotel under mysterious circumstances? 
The nearness of it sent a biting, air-conditioned shiver down my spine. Scary images sent in email chains online were supposed to be stupid myths, not something from a specific, real location. Once acclimated, I fought the churning fear in my stomach and forced myself to walk down to the lobby. I had pictures of the two girls on my phone, and I was debating whether to ask the concierge about them, but I didn't have to. Their photos were already on a bulletin board by the front desk, among others. The concierge that I'd been considering approaching instead approached me when he saw me studying the pictures. He said something in Spanish. I remember laughing nervously. Uh, <laughs> what? Oh, tourist. Yes. Well, I figured I might as well try or else my friend would mercilessly tease me about flying all the way down there for nothing. I touched the pen papers. These two. Ah, the older Brazilian man sighed. Very stupid. Very bad. They went on a hike and never returned. The, uh... He waved his hands for a moment before seeming to settle with a sigh on a less accurate word. Jungle. Here. It eats people. That was something more than the gossip back home told me about the incident. A hike? Yes. Many trails have beautiful sights. Calm and peaceful belies the danger beneath. Do not go swimming. The currents are swift. Do not climb. The rocks are loose and the trees are untrustworthy. Do not stay after dark. For the... He paused again and appeared to frown at having to use the same word. The jungle. It eats people. I finished for him. Is it safe to go along during the day if I stick to the marked paths? He glared, but drew lines for me on a local map to show me where the girls said they were hiking. I don't want to put your picture up there, too, he said. But, uh, but the police did not go looking. They just gave us these papers. We did not risk our own to find foolish tourists. It's possible those two are still alive if the jungle did not find them at night. Hurt, maybe. It's sad. I gulped. I put on a brave face. What was I doing? And why? I clutched the local map and adjusted my backpack as the concierge went back to his duties. I should have just gone home. I remember thinking I wanted to go home. Or hell, just even to the beach. But presented with a stark, cold fact like that, the police didn't even look. It felt impossible to go sit at the beach and oogle women while two fellow American girls were possibly dying at the very same time. There were some guides for hire outside the hotel, but I felt less safe with a stranger than by myself. I couldn't stop thinking about tales of guides tricking people into captivity and selling their organs on the black market. All I had to do was walk a few paths, right? It was stupid. I knew it was stupid. The guides saw my direction, listened to my insistence on going alone, and looked at me as if I was a dead man. When he saw I was serious, one pressed a survival knife into my hand and shook his head when I tried to pay him. I accepted the gift and put it in my backpack before heading down the long dirt road 
toward the tourist hiking path. This wasn't like the small trails around hotels and campgrounds back home. The jungle here was not a mastered entity, and life was swarming everywhere. Thick clouds of insects hovered together only to be scooped up by flocks of little birds, or perhaps they were bats. I wasn't sure. It was humid as hell and stuffy under the thick canopy of gloom and green, but I somehow stumbled my way into a mission and I couldn't turn back without hating myself. A creek about a foot wide presented itself a few steps off the path, and I nearly went over to it to splash and cool myself down before I remembered the concierge's warnings. I took a long stick and lowered it, only to have the branch jerked out of my hands. The creek was a foot wide, but impossibly deep, and the current under those placidly flowing bubbles was murderous. If the girls had fallen in there, no, they Their phones had uploaded photos after they disappeared. Whatever had happened did not involve instant death. Where would they have gone? For hours, I followed the path they'd indicated to the concierge until I reached a fork in the narrow, overgrown trails. One path followed the black line he'd drawn, and the other led to what looked like a gorgeous waterfall basin. Never in my life had I experienced such strong, fatal instinct. They'd gone the less-traveled path in the hopes of taking gorgeous pictures for their online profiles. Thus, possibly, it was death by Facebook. Another twenty minutes of exhausting hike later, I found that the wide, round basin was accessible down a steep scree and then a long slope of crumbling roots browning dirt. I ever so carefully picked my way down and nearly stumbled over a shoe. It was a dirty, black American sneaker, and I picked it up to examine it. Jumping back and letting out a scream of shock, I threw it down on the ground. It had a foot in it. A goddamn foot. Holding back overwhelming revulsion, I peeled back the tongue of the sneaker to confirm it was a female foot. Oh, God, I... I can still remember how it smelled. I can still remember the swarming flies and budding maggots in that stump of red flesh. Yeah. They were dead. Christ. I leaned back against the root sprouting dirt wall behind me and tried not to throw up. I'd come all the way out here to find a rotting foot. This is why the police hadn't looked. Why they never looked. They were right in assuming anyone that didn't come back from this horrible tangle was just plain dead. Checked my cell phone. No signal, of course. I couldn't see the sun through the maze of greenery above, but my phone said it was getting late on the schedule I'd set myself for. Dusk would be coming, and it was time to head back. Even though I ignored the warning about climbing, I intended to heed the one about avoiding nighttime. Every single bush and hillock out there hid something alive, and I didn't want to see what might emerge in the dark. And then, I heard her. Help! It was the faintest echo through the dense foliage, but I was dead certain 
It had been a hopeless female shout. I shouted back a half dozen times, even screaming till my throat was raw, but she didn't seem to hear me in return. Or maybe she was incapable of shouting again. For all I knew, and the foot was the result of some injury or an animal attack that had left them stranded and hurt out here. Shit. Shit, shit, shit. If I'd only gone home 30 seconds earlier, I would never have kept looking. The waterfall above was beautiful, but austere. There was no climbing up that way, which meant the girls had likely followed the resulting narrow river if they were unable to climb back up to the scree that I'd just come down. Judging my footfalls and handholds, I clambered along clean rock, thankful to be out of that tangle for a time. The progress wasn't hard, just precarious, and I guessed that someone could do it minus a foot if needed. Eventually, the terrain became more like a canyon with a river at the bottom, and I was forced to lift up onto the dirt again. Here, I found an animal trail splitting off in three directions. A cell phone with a cracked screen laid half buried. I brushed it off to discover that it still had some battery power and that it was not password protected. The text messages were mostly mundane conversations from the owner to her friends, but the most recent ones were variations on help and are you getting this? Based on frustration from the lack of signal out here, there was no information about what had happened. But then I checked the pictures on her camera. Beyond all the typical selfies and photos of the airport, the flight, and the hotel, there were a few of the jungle that I just traversed, the waterfall basin, and then the very path I was standing on. The next picture seemed to be taken from hiding. Between the leaves, the image showed a man brandishing a knife and peering into the underbrush opposite. I still couldn't see his face, but he was dressed in local wear I recognized from the shop. Had he seen the girls at the hotel and followed them out here? From the back of his head, it was the same man from the suicide picture. This was serious. I needed to be ready for a fight or to run. Suddenly tense, I put my backpack down, hid it under a few bushes, and withdrew the survival knife the guide had given me. With the knife out and at the ready in one hand and the cell phone in the other, I swiped slowly through the photos. The next few were of the trail I was on, and I followed it step by step, retracing the path the girls had gone. The man was not in these pictures. They seemed to be photos of landmarks that might help them find their way back. Many were blurry and been taken in haste. No doubt they'd been running. I couldn't shout anymore either not without potentially revealing my presence to that man. Had he cut off one of the girl's feet or something? How had her foot ended up back by that waterfall? Swipe. There's the rock. Swipe. Okay, there's the bend in the path. Swipe. There's the arranged stones to mark a direction when no other landmark would suffice. A few more swipes and... I was back to where I'd started. The animal trail split off in three directions, and I could hear the river out beyond the trees. 
so they'd come full circle by accident, realize they were lost, and then what? Dropped their phone here in frustration, or had they run into the man with the knife again and gotten caught? If there were three paths out of here and two looped to one another, that meant the middle one had to go somewhere else, right? I heard a noise behind me. World saw nobody and nothing. I stared out into the jungle as dusk swept a dim shroud between the trees. I'd stayed too long, and the night was almost upon me. I had to go home. What was I going to do, fight a knife-wielding madman in the dark? I could get the cops and bring down the cavalry on this shit. And then I heard her. Help! Came from down the middle path. God damn it. As it became harder and harder to see, I crept down that middle path, my knife held forward. If there was someone out here, I would only have a split second to strike back or run. The only advantage I had was that they had no idea I was here and it was as hard for them to see me as it was for me to see them as long as I only checked the phone intermittently to keep the light to a minimum. Swipe. A picture of the middle path in gloom. Alright, on a night sometime earlier this week they'd gone this way. Had they again looped back somehow to drop this phone? I swiped ahead a few times to see multiple shots of the path I was on. I stopped at a shot of the knife-wielding man from the side. All that could be seen was a silhouette in deep forest dusk. Looking at the shot disturbed me. Was I witnessing the events leading up to someone's murder? I swiped back to the path shots and continued following their trail. When I reached the spot where the man's picture had been taken from the side, I heard something crunching out of the darkness. I froze for what felt like an eternity as dusk began to approach night. All my senses told me that something was out there. Something was waiting and watching with malicious intent. Perhaps even with glee. I could feel it. As absolute darkness fell, a change came over the humid and dense air. The birds went quiet my ears stopped hearing for their shrieking calls with a sudden internal echo. I thought I'd gone deaf for a moment, but I could still hear my own breathing. Moving step by step, back down the path and behind a boulder, I got out the phone to light my way and check the further pictures. Help! I turned my head slowly to try and get a bead on the scream in the absolute silence. It sounded closer somehow. Help! This time it came from the opposite direction, a little further away. Help! That one came from right on the path ahead, exactly where I'd been about to walk before the sensation of being watched had stopped me in my tracks. I swallowed down panic. The girl had died days ago, and someone or something was using her last scream to toy with me. It was insane to think so, but it was the only conclusion. Swiping all the way ahead in the pictures on her phone, I found a photo of an arm over a face. A man was wincing against the flash of the camera. Had they used the flash as a weapon to blind him? I 
I held my arm up as a series of flashes erupted right in front of my face. I couldn't choose a direction. I ran. Somehow, someone or something had snuck right up in front of me, and... And somehow it was impossible, but... Pushing down the trail, I ran in absolute terror as the same scream erupted a few feet ahead of me. Help! It was loud this time, painfully loud, and sliced at empty darkness. The light from the phone showed nothing ahead, just unmoving leaves and fronds. I held the knife forward with no idea what I could even do with it until a series of flashes went off right behind my head. Was it behind me? I ran for my life. Down the dirt, climb along the river canyon in the dark, leap up the scree, sprain my ankle. That's what I remember. Limp along the path I'd come down earlier that day. I'd lost my backpack and the map inside of it. I thought I could remember, but the jungle transforms at night. All of the landmarks I looked for were impossible to find in darkness, and I knew something out there was hunting me. Obviously, because I'm writing this now, as I said, to get the poison out of my head, I made it out of there, but not for nearly a day. I spent that night crammed into a small rock hollow with stones piled up to block the entrance and only enough space for my knee to stab out. All night long, help, help, help from right outside my hollow. Help, help, laughter and random bits of conversation mimicking what the two girls had said to each other before danger had found them. It had stalked and watched them for hours before night had fallen. A foot. That was all that was left. A foot severed by powerful jaws. When dawn finally rolled around, my sleepless body practically dragged itself out of its own accord. I don't fully remember what happened when I returned to the hotel, but they took care of me and I did not tell them I found her cell phone. And you know what? It's been five days, and I'm supposed to fly back to the States tomorrow night, but I happen to know I'll never make it. I sit in my hotel room and stew in my own nightmare. I can hear it calling from the deep of the night. It's out there, mocking me still, waiting, because it knows I can't escape. All of those pictures were taken before they ever happened, all part of the horror in the jungle where time knows nothing of the strict structure of civilization. I only came out here because of that last picture, the only one that hasn't come true yet. How messed up is that? So I sit here, clutching the photo I printed out of that last picture, and I drink and I take pills to try and knock myself out before it comes for me. I'm not killing myself. I just don't want to be awake when it happens. I know the exact moment as it ticks closer and closer, second by second. Another swig, a few more pills, it's slithering up round the bottom of the clock now, the bottom of the basin, the bottom of my heart, numbing. He said it. I didn't listen. Jungle wasn't the right word, but he straight up said it. He told me directly. It eats people here. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed the stories tonight. I know I did. Um, let me know down below which one is your favorite, and also let me know down below if you've ever had uh, a 
uh, an encounter with someone strange, someone that just didn't really didn't really rub you the right way. I'd be interested to hear that. Also, let me know if you ever had anything strange happen to you in the forest. Maybe on a camping trip, a hiking trip, something like that. Hopefully you didn't lose a foot, but I would love to hear your stories. While you're down there writing all those out, I'm going to give a quick thank you to all of our $5 patrons and members. That is Absinthe Alice, Amethyst, Amet, Anne Berry, Bubbly Panda, Caroline, Christina Smith, CT, Deborah Tychus, Elizabeth Watkins, LSG, Furious Weasel, If in Doubt, Flat Out, Jennifer Dameron, Jesse Jess Jess, Justinia Zaromsky, Karen Parrott, Kat, Kathy Flanning, Lee Riggs, Laura, Lindsay Pruitt, Melody Evans, Melissa Berwick, Mindy Band, and Moon Potato, Nicholas Moore, Nora Nova Nocturne, Patricia Rodea, PJ Masks, Ray Clegg, Sentinel, the new on Gum 24, Tiger Princess, Tish Love, Triumph, and finally Victoria Step. Thank you all for the continued support. It really, really helps me out, and I really, really appreciate it. And shout out to everyone who is listening over on the podcast or just listening over here. It all helps, and I appreciate all of it. Hope you all have a wonderful day, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. And as always, stay safe out there. <laughs>